passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Welcome everybody to rewind a raw, the Vince McMahon birthday celebration. Edition of the show. That's what Raw was tonight. How and celebrating his 75th birthday uh, by putting together this show. Wow, that's a big one. 75. Well, happy birthday. Do you think it was a happy birthday for him tonight? Think he had a good time? I don't know. I'm doing what he loves, I'm sure. Working. Yeah, I, I guess so. How's your day? How was your August 24th? It's fine. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. It was fine. That's How was yours? Uh, average. It was all right. Um, very hot out. Yeah. Very hot. Yeah. Bit of yeah. a heat. Very, very muggy. It's it's not just the heat. It's just the uh, that that kind of uh, dry heat we get every every now and then. You just go outside and it feels like you're walking into a sauna. That kind of heat, which is not. I'm not going to complain. I would, but I guess I guess I am. Yeah. So. Yeah, I would complain. Okay. I mean, come on. I can't be too cold, can't be too hot. It's got to be just right. Anything beyond that, um, I think is worth complaining about. What's your favorite season? Uh, spring. Spring. Okay. I'm a big fall fan, actually. I think that's, you know, the October, it's not, it's not like we're getting snow, but I'm also not losing five pounds by walking to the coffee shop and back and sweating half my meal off. Uh, no, the, the fall is a nice time. It's uh, Leaves are changing color. It's a good time of the year. Halloween's in there. The fall is good, I guess, once you're an adult. You know, as a kid, I, I think I, I'm still scarred from just, you know, the feeling of, like, having to go back to school. Never enjoyed that. Not just going back to school, but having an entire year of this, you know... Like waking up uh, at whatever eight a.m. to get to school at uh, whatever, doing ho- like all that stuff. That I think I'm still scarred from it. But maybe as an adult, uh, and even as a parent now, maybe the fall is eventually will become a break for you know parents. Well, I guess that's the big debate right now, isn't it? Well, if you could transport yourself to thirteen-year-old Wei Ting, if you had been out of school since March. Would you kind of be looking forward to going back? I think at this point, I'd I'd be wanting to go back to school if it had been this amount of time that I've not been at school, maybe not seeing my friends. I would look I forward mean, to it. I wouldn't look forward to, you know, potential health hazards. Well, I mean, come on, Way, you're 13. Is that the, the biggest concern in your life? Uh, maybe not. 
I don't know. I actually don't know how aware, you know, children are these days. I mean, I'm sure it varies according to the child, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, uh, not not anything that, that we're debating now, but uh, hey, we have Raw to talk about. We've got uh, lots of things going on this week. Did you know there's a pay-per-view on Sunday? They are coming back with a pay-per-view on Sunday. Payback. I I was well aware. Yeah. I even know the main event. That is true. We we did have the, the main event hit over our head over and over uh, throughout this show. Uh, but we're coming off of SummerSlam. So if you have not had a chance to listen to it and want a full rundown of the weekend's action, uh, we've got multiple shows up on the site with uh, Braden and Davey. They've got the TakeOver post show from Saturday night. We've got a special Saturday night rewind to Dynamite uh, with our own thoughts on uh, TakeOver uh, from that show. And then our SummerSlam post show, which went down last night with uh, your calls, a review of the show that I would say was a pretty well-received pay-per-view from the company. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, you know, the I guess, like, if people were vocal about anything negative, I'm trying to think what the most negative thing might have been. Um I don't know, maybe some of the undercard might have not been that spectacular, but I would say overall, like, I, I thought it was, like, a pretty pretty positively uh, received show. Yeah, I w- wouldn't go, like, home run, a uh, uh, great, great card, but I thought very enjoyable. I think most people came away from those three hours and enjoyed SummerSlam. Like, that seemed to be the overall sentiment. Um, uh, unless you're in a Baron Corbin or Angel Garza's mentions, because apparently... Uh, Fans hate everything. What what were they commenting on? The This was uh what did we have today? We had uh Baron Corbin saying Internet fans cannot be pleased no matter what. They say wear blue, you wear blue, they hate blue. Why would you wear blue? We want this. Okay here. We hate that. They are impossible and they wonder why people don't listen to them. And then we had Angel Garza say that uh, uh he he had he had some line as well uh, just so this was all quote tweeting like uh Ryan Satin's comment about fans complaining after smackdown that fans need to be more excited and then Ryan Satin commenting that fans after SummerSlam were compl- complaining that they were directing the crowd yes right yes yeah i mean you know listen if i was in their shoes and constantly being like bombarded especially if i was baron corbin you know constantly being bombarded with criticism um i i can understand it i can understand wanting to say something in response i mean um it's it's i i I feel it's important to you know be fair in criticism and sometimes that's difficult it's difficult to to like to me like be fair and criticism about a company that I think has let us down so many times for so many reasons. Um, and, you know, to some people, like, we might go into a show like this with a lot more, mm, I don't know, with a much more kind of, like, um, critical perspective. Because that um, goodwill has been, like, whittled down so much for over so much time. Uh, but anyway, it's... This is just, it's Twitter, isn't it? Like, what's what's the big deal? Some people get way too wrapped up in that. It's like, listen, I, I give leeway to these performers who probably live inside their mentions and see comments upon comments, but I think it's always just silly to 
lump everyone in, into like this monolith that it's like one opinion that emerges and it's a negative one, especially today where that SummerSlam card was by and large tremendously well-received. I think overall, I, I think people largely enjoyed that. And what a, what a shock when a card is really good and it's, it's met with that praise. And I would say for takeover as well. So I never agree with this notion that it's just, uh, you know, I just, I just don't like the, uh, the paintbrush that all fans do this. It's, I, I just, I disagree with that. I mean, it's that phrasing. It's, it's probably wrong to paintbrush anybody. It's wrong to paintbrush the, you know, a representative of the WWE as somebody who, like, you know, speaks for everybody's perspective. Um, even like if it was Hunter saying something, it doesn't necessarily mean every everybody employed by the company feels that way. Um, but that's just the dangerous nature of criticism, isn't it? Or like, you know, something like Twitter. Um, in 140 characters, we are forced to generalize. Yeah. And this is, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, there is, there's unfair criticism. There's also valid criticism. And I think often it just gets all lumped together that, the, that anyone that has anything negative to say, uh, it's just uh, an angry person that can't be pleased. And I disagree with that. There's always going to be examples that uh, back up such a response uh, like a Corbin would have. But there's uh, plenty of people that will give uh, completely intelligent discussion on a product that, you know, let, let's be honest, uh, has plenty of faults when it comes to storytelling. And uh, by and large, it's when these performers leave this company, they tend to be the most vocal about those problems once they are no longer under contract to that company and point out the same problems uh, even more so uh, once they've gone through it. So anyway, um, that's all I'm uh, going to discuss on uh, the, the tweets. But let's uh, let's chat a little bit about uh, what is coming up this week on Tuesday night. We've got the return of Ask Away, always a fun show, where we go through our mailbag for the month. And this is a show for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So get your questions in at forum.postwrestling.com uh, before Tuesday afternoon. And we will be going through as many questions as we have for the month uh, coming up. Are you excited way to be diving into our mail? Of course I'm excited. It means I don't have to stay up late tonight to watch a three-hour, four-hour show to prepare for this. We just I go in cold and read these questions. Um, and who knows what's been asked this week, this month. You never know. This is our Jerry Lawler show where we do no preparation ahead of time. We just go in cold. Uh, yeah, and it's often, um, you know, often very controversial things come out of it. So Yeah, yeah I usually get upset show. over something and then Way tries to, like, calm it down and then people get a – it's a fun show. It's a real fun time for me personally. <laughs> In uh, ramen noodle, like I'll call things ramen noodle, um, all the time. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> remember ramen that controversy? Moon salt. The Is ramen noodle moon. The ramen noodle moon salt. Yes, that's right. A move that was retired by one Akira Tozawa afterwards. Glad to see that he got away from anything that would be uh, considered offensive. I'm glad to see Tozawa get away from anything that it might risk his health and body. For this character, because... Man's a champion. Man's got, won a title. So. I mean, you know, maybe he'll have the last laugh after all this, because um, he's not having to take any big bumps and still has a job. So, good I, I hope they're doing a 365 on Akira Tozawa. Wow. Okay. I That'd hope they're like month, month 6 of 12 on Akira Tozawa, <laughs> 365. Sure. Uh, on Wednesday, it's Brain and Davey with Up Next, uh, because once again, it is a... 
AEW-less Wednesday night. NXT will be running unopposed again. And then Thursday night, Way and I will be back for a Thursday night edition of Rewind to Dynamite. Yeah, so we'll see like what the ratings look like two weeks in uh, unopposed for both shows. Any uh, update on Dynamite ratings? No, they should be out tomorrow on Tuesday. So we'll, we'll get a sense. We'll have Raw ratings and AEW ratings on Tuesday. Okay, cool. On Friday, we have a live Rewind to SmackDown, the usual time, 10, 15 p.m. Eastern time for all cafe members. We'll be taking your phone calls. We'll preview payback, uh, the long road to play- payback. It all leads into Sunday, and we'll do an extensive preview of the pay-per-view on Friday, along with a debate. Way and I are going to break down the top contract signing of the week because now we're at the point where we're getting multiple contract signings per week. We've got John Moxley and MJF pen to paper on Thursday night. And then 24 hours later, three men, one contract, three signatures on SmackDown. That is the main event of SmackDown. Ooh, nice. Um, yeah. Um, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's as integral to pro wrestling as ropes in a canvas, isn't it? Why, why don't they take these contracts and put them up for fans to like bid on the, on the physical piece of like the contract that they can own? Oh, I'm guessing a lawyer has to keep it somewhere. I'm I'm guessing in the WWE corporate head office is a, they get it notarized. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine that drawer? You know, that, that all hall. the witnesses. Yeah. You could and go back and maybe all these contracts. You might be able to find like the Hogan Andre contract. Like think about all the legendary pro wrestling contracts that exist in this hypothetical chamber. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't, I can't wait. What, what will the, the fiend uh, and his contract constitute? Do you know, do you yeah. know what, what Roman Reigns, what his last segment was on SmackDown? His last time he appeared on that show? That's a great question. Okay, uh, so he would have been gone like what the week or two, a week or two prior to WrestleMania. The last segment would have, I mean, it would have been something with him and Goldberg. Um, but I can't recall right now what contract signing. <laughs> of course, that oh, was a contract signing. <laughs> he's he's literally bookended these two phases of his career with contract signing. I think every Roman Reigns appearance from this point on should be a contract signing. No is, matches, just like come out and sign your contract and leave. That's the dude's gimmick. Honestly, if any, if any listener can go to the trouble of putting together a list of all the WWE contract signings this year, it has to be over 15. That would be my guess. I think it would be around 15. You know, um, how else would you make a match official? What, do you think you could just call somebody out and have them come out and wrestle? Oh. No, I would I would be interviewed by Charlie and say, I don't think Randy's going to be okay, unlike my best friend Drew. And then you get a match. You just have to be ominous in your delivery. And that's official. Mm, right. Okay. Saturday. Two shows coming out on Saturday. First is a one-time only return of Cruel Summer. WH Park is going to complete the chronology of Cruel Summers because – Last year was considered a cruel summer, and WH is going to welcome uh, Stephanie Chase from Digital Spy, and they're going to go back and look at the G1 final from last year. We've had a year to digest Jay White and Kota Ibushi, and they will be chatting about that G1 to make sure that Cruel Summer is complete, the the, the anthology of G1 reviews. You know, I, I look forward to hearing, uh, first of all, I appreciate uh, WH and welcoming Stephanie to Con- conclude and add on to it's like um it's like an encyclopedia 
that keeps getting updated every year with like a new chapter. Yes. So I appreciate that. Uh, but secondly, it's like, you know, a year out from that match and, and, and like so much has changed for everybody, of course, for professional wrestling, which Steven in the careers of, of those, those several wrestlers. So um, I'm curious to know what, what perspectives um, they might have to offer looking back at it with this much time removed. So, you know, and, and like cruel fall just wouldn't sound the same. So do you think this will be it or will they come back next year? Ooh. Um, yeah. It's like delayed summer or, um, Oh, I, I'm sure there's a great, uh, pickup they can do different name. I mm. don't know. We'll see what they do. Well, WH has a year to think about it really a year, a year and change. Yeah, he'll go through his 80s uh, record collection to see if uh, something fits with fall. Saturday, Way and I will have uh, our own show because we'll be doing a review, a post-show, after the summer struggle card at Jingu Stadium. That will be a cafe-only show uh, for members of the cafe. We'll go through uh, all of the matches from Jingu Stadium. And then Sunday night, the payback post-show, we will be live for our double-double ice cap and espresso patrons Right after payback, which fingers crossed means around 10 p.m. or so, Eastern. Uh, so this yesterday was what about 10? Right, 10:05 it ended. So I think so. Yeah, yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, that'd be great. So that is what is coming up this week. Uh, check out postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com, and on Thursday, I'm going to promote this in advance. On Thursday, uh, I want to go over what we have scheduled for the cafe in the month of September because it's a mammoth month. And I thought ahead of time, uh, we can outline uh, what our schedule is going to look like. Some of the highlights for cafe members in the month of September. It's going to be a big one. Sounds good to me. Okay, let's get into some news. And uh, let's start off with New Japan, who have announced the stipulations for Wednesday's uh, Core Q and Hall show with the King of Pro Wrestling matches. So Wade, there were, according to New Japan... 174,090 votes cast among the three matches. Uh, three, because Sonata and Sho both decided on a submission match. So as luck would have it, they're going to have a submission match. The other stipulations that are now official, Kazuchika Okada and Yujiro will be a three-on-one handicap match. So Okada will team, or sorry, Okada will take on Yujiro, teaming with Ghetto and Giotto. Three on one, uh, beating out Yujiro's pick for a lumberjack strap match. Mm-hmm. They um, noted the breakdown. Uh, the English speaking audience heavily voted Yujiro's pick, but it was the, uh, I guess, uh, Japanese voters that put Okada over the top. They wanted the handicap match. How interesting. Okay. What do you think that says about uh, maybe the habits of Japanese versus, you know, uh, English speaking audiences? They want to see Okada get his revenge, as as he's promised. He wants to take out all three. Maybe they don't want any bullshit interference from Ghetto and Giotto. See, my feeling is more that um, maybe Western audiences at this point are so fed up with these types of gimmick matches, they want the one that is least gimmicky. And in this scenario, I guess it would be the Lumberjack match. I guess so. Um, Okada has not had a great run during these uh, the pandemic shows, as we'll call them. I don't know if that streak's going to end on Wednesday. You know, uh, if this man truly is the brainchild of this entire King of Pro Wrestling deal, I, I would expect him to have um, 
hopefully a pretty good idea of what he wants to do with this three-on-one match and that it's not just going to be, you know, a nothing, like, bad three-on-one match. I think that would be really disappointing. So um, I'm, I'm at the very least curious to see what he does with the concept. Toriyano and Bushi is going to be a two-count pinfall rules match. So the winner only needs to get a two-count. Uh, and this beat out Bushi's pick where... Uh, you could get counted out with a five count as opposed to a 20 count. 31,499 people voted two counts. Um, yeah, let's see how they do it. Um, I have faith in this because I think Toriano is, is very creative yes. and I don't think this will overstay its welcome either. So this, th- this might work. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I really, on paper, I can't say I'm, I'm excited for any of this too much, but I, I definitely think the potential for all of these to be good exists. Uh, and then Satoshi Kojima and El Desperado, uh, they will have a match where Kojima's Lariat and Desperado's Pinche Loco are banned. So they voted with Desperado's picks as opposed to Kojima, who his pick was you had to win with your finisher. But 42,500 people voted for Desperado, uh, more than doubling the votes for Kojima. So, yes, they will have to win. With an alternate method. See, what if, like, you know, let's say Kojima was, like, dazed, knocked out, maybe, like, you know, about to stand and just decided to, like, yawn midway through the match. And Desperado ran himself into Kojima's arm. Would that count as a lariat? Um, I think so. That's quite the scenario. (laughs) (laughs) That would be, uh, yeah, the, uh. A close yawn. I got to ask the, the tough questions, Sean. That's why I'm here. Uh, predict what this four-way is going to look like on Saturday. Obviously, Okada. Um, yeah. I, I, I think Yano's going to beat Bushi. Okay, wait a second. Yeah, what if it's not Okada? So I guess Yujiro would go in. Yeah, I guess he would represent them. Like, Ghetto and Jado really have nothing nothing to offer here. But um, I, I really don't think that's going to be a dilemma. I'm going to say Okada. I'm going to say Sonata. I'm going to say... Um... Uh, what is it? Desperado. And then I'm going to say, um, I think Yano. I think yeah, Yano will sure. get into this match. Sure. For some Whatever. levity. I could see show beating Sonata. Um, that one's more of a kind of up in the air one. That, that, w- that should be a very good match between those two. Potentially. That is the one serious stipulation. I think you have amongst the group, the one you can really pinpoint to it as, you know, uh, something that kind of fits like the new Japan pro wrestling expectation. Um, that that is one I'm definitely probably most looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, so all four of those singles matches happening on Wednesday morning, 4:30 a.m. Eastern Time on New Japan World. Uh, Renee Young uh, put out a series of farewells on Monday. She wrote this this lengthy piece on the Players Tribune, talking about her time at WWE, and she talked about as well um, her time when she was a commentator. She said that. Um, If I'm being honest, my own experience as a trailblazer in WWE, I'd say that my feelings, looking back, are kind of mixed. The history-making stuff, like being the first woman to ever call a full episode of Raw, 
Those moments are untouchable, and they'll stay with me forever. But I also wish I'd done a few things differently, especially as it relates to my time in the commentary booth. As history-making as it was, I wish I'd stood up for myself a little more in terms of the support that I was getting. I wish I'd fought for myself a little more, just in general, in those moments when I felt like I was drowning or even just treading water. And I wish I'd gone to more of the right people for more of the right advice instead of letting my emotions or my insecurities get the better of me. I also think that's the gift and the curse of going first, though. And yeah, uh, an interesting look, I think, at when you look at Renee Young, there's so much uh, positivity about her work in WWE that that would be the area that was, you know, the the brightest spotlight, but one that also came with the, the most scrutiny. Scrutiny That is a very tough position to be in on that, that raw broadcast team. And they certainly had their issues for that year. That's interesting. You know, I, I, I mean, like hearing something like that tells me that like Renee was disappointed in how all that unfolded and maybe she had greater expectations and maybe other people had bigger expectations in how she would turn out as like the first, you know, full-time raw or WWE women's commentator. Um, but I guess like, you know, just on the outside looking in, I, I don't know if like, you know, like to me, it, it just felt like it was like, oh, okay, here's another person who is, um, stepping into this role and then stepping out. Like we've seen like dozens of times, even since Renee, I mean, how many people can we count that have been in that position that is just the most kind of, I don't know, um, turnstile position on commentary that they have between like. Like, you know, Joe right now, but like Jerry Lawl or Renee Booker, uh, Dio Madden, Dio Madden, you know, whoever take your pick. Yeah. Um, like, you know, what could she have done differently? I guess. I I don't know. I think it's really hard to get a, a strong assessment of someone in, in that role, because as I've said, I feel that if, if we were to hear Renee go to another company and be put on commentary, uh, I, I think that she would sound significantly better, and I think that you would look at, at in terms of how they're being produced in WWE and just how difficult that is. And there's no more shining example of that than when we have seen Michael Cole in situations where he's so clearly not being produced, and it's a very different role that Michael Cole plays. I think it's a very tough job and s- somewhat an incomplete grade that you can give to someone, especially just a year on commentary on raw and what the circumstances are like does you know something like that tell you that and this would only be speculation but do you think renee would have preferred to stay preferred to find a role you know whether it be commentary or somewhere else that would have been a good fit for her rather than you know looking looking elsewhere to i guess i don't know be be fulfilled in her career i i don't know what she was looking for in wwe but as i said that like, I just feel she did so much there that, yeah, she could stay there forever and do all of the, like, hosting roles. And, like, she's great in that position. But, you know, I get the sense that, you know, there there, there may be more to her departure that'll come out in the future. But it also sounded just from what she said that, you know, she she wanted to find some other challenges out there. And I think that she has it's, – it's one thing for people that, you know – Wrestling is their be-all, end-all, and they succeed in it, and they just want to ride that wave forever. I never got the sense of that with her, that this was going to be uh, a stop for her, and it was a significant one. She was here for eight years, but I see her having roles elsewhere um, beyond pro wrestling that 
I think you want to explore at this time. She's 34. Now would be the time to do that. How much more was there to do in WWE as opposed to, you know, being really great at what she does, but is she feeling challenged in these roles? I, I don't know if doing the kickoffs and doing, uh, you know, hosting duties backstage, there's only so much of that. I think that you can get your fill out of before you want to test yourself elsewhere. Yeah, it's the travel too. I imagine, like, well, I guess not in this point in time, but when things were were back to normal, like, like the travel, I, I, I imagine getting pretty old too eventually. But yeah, um, you know, the way she's leaving right now, I think as cordial as, as she's been and as cordial as the company has been towards her, I would have to imagine that door's open for her return at whenever, right? Oh, I would think absolutely. Um, I, I think this is completely, you know, it would be her call. And if she wanted to come back, I think she'd be there. Um, and the the question will become like what she's looking to do next. Like she hasn't really, you know, in, in the same thing, she threw out like a bunch of ideas that it seems that are out there, but she's not really uh, giving any kind of sense of what she's going to be directly uh, going towards. Other than she did mention um, that, you know, she has done stuff with, with Fox Sports, obviously, with, with Backstage, and she kind of indicated in this statement that if Backstage pops up here and there, you could see her on there. So it may not be a complete uh, departure, but that is more of a Fox Sports role than a specific WWE one, even though it's you know kind of a WWE show. Right. Uh, so that is all uh, on the Renee Young front. SmackDown from Friday night uh, – the current numbers that we have for this, uh, SmackDown doing 2,198,000 viewers, uh, a 0.6 in the demo. Uh, for viewers, this would be their highest number since April the 10th. Uh, I don't know if any of the Fox affiliates might have been carrying uh, live sports on Friday night. Uh, we've seen that happen a few weeks where some markets are carrying sports and that artificially uh, inflates the number. But this is the number we have now. So if this ends up being uh, the final number... Uh, it's again their highest since early April, and you know the number one network show for the night in uh, all of the three demos that are listed here. So it tells you that this Thunderdome uh, it drew on week one. No surprise. Um, I guess the only question is how how big it drew and whether or not it will continue coming off of SummerSlam and the return of Roman Reigns. Yeah. Do you do you expect that? I, I do think to tonight's Raw, uh, you do have. Uh, the Republican convention they were going against. There was the NBA playoffs, but coming off of SummerSlam and, you know, some buzz, I think, with with Roman Reigns and what just coming off the pay-per-view and this Thunderdome, I, I do feel that Raw should hold up a bit better uh, tonight. I think so, too. Uh, I think there's still I think SummerSlam was well received enough. And I think you had enough storyline development coming out of SummerSlam to get people's interest. Uh, at least a bit more than usual, I would have to assume at the beginning of the of the show. Third hour, of course, is going to be the uh, the, the 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 big question. Yeah, they were going against. Uh, I think Donald Trump is speaking each night of the Republican convention. Uh, and Thursday, are you aware who is also speaking? Braden Harrington. No, Braden Harrington is a a Democrat. Oh. Uh, Thursday will feature. Dana White speaking oh. at the Republican convention. Oh boy. They've got an all-star roster. They've got a, uh, it's going to be quite the, quite the week for the uh, Republican convention. So uh, there you go. That is all of your news. You can go to uh, postwrestling.com for more. And 
Actually, we should start off this Raw review with this report from Mike Johnson at PW Insider. This went up uh, just before Raw went on the air. Uh, This is from uh, their site. While Monday Night Raw will be going on the air in 15 minutes, WWE pretty much ripped up the entire show around 7.20 p.m., PWInsider.com has been told. Uh, They go on to say that uh, the site was told that Vince McMahon arrived at the taping around that time and (laughs) at that point began changing, quote, just about everything that was planned. So that is your setup for Raw. Vince McMahon on his birthday showing up 40 minutes before air and saying... (laughs) New show. <laughs> it's my fucking birthday. Okay. Dude, like that's if like that is they gotta be used insane. to it by now, John. Come on. Dude. You know? Yeah, there's only so much patience though you could have for preparing and writing a show and at seven twenty PM. I don't care if it's half the show, if it's three quarters of the show, it's like what a nightmare to have to deal with. And just that wears on you. That wears on you after time. I'll bet. Yeah. I mean, but, I, you know, at this point, I have to imagine if you're anybody working in that environment, you have to maybe just be only half committed to, like, whatever you've been trying to study or work on throughout the course of the day because you probably have some level of expectation that something is going to change at the very last minute. Well, tonight's show, to me, was based on one question. Did they succeed or not? in hyping you up for payback on Sunday. That was the whole goal of tonight's show. So I think that's what it's being uh, graded on. And the show begins, and they immediately tee up a bunch of stuff for tonight, including Ray and Dominic against Rollins and Murphy, and a rematch between Asuka and Sasha Banks in a lumberjack match for the Raw women's title. Yeah. um, Going to the rematch, not for payback, but for uh, this show, it certainly needed a hook. Um, didn't have much of a reason for it. Nope. But, uh, you know, as we kind of discussed yesterday, I've kind of come to not expect any real logical reasons for, st- for free matches these days. It's just like they do them to, they just have to announce them really. What it felt like was, especially for the Mysterios match. And I would say for Orton and Keith, uh, it was, it seemed like a lot of stuff that, Probably should have been built for the pay-per-view, but instead we were going to do tonight with crappy finishes. I was definitely surprised that they would do uh, Dominic and Ray teaming up against um, Seth and Murphy so soon. I mean, yeah, like finish aside, I feel like the build-up to Ray Mysterio coming back from like a life-threatening eye op- optical flux. His flux eyeball Moses. came out. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Like, they were treating that thing as if, like, he, he was retired for good and had no chance of coming back. And then all of a sudden, at the beginning of the show, by the way, Rey Mysterio is having a match tonight. And it's like, and it's a match with his son who, you know, um, like, as far as we know, in real life, this was something that the man has been re- legitimately trying to, you know, set his, like, uh, his career towards. So this, I know, was a big moment both for Dominic and especially for Rey Mysterio. To have it just come out at, at, at like you know for for really with really no build, I thought was a bit of a disservice to the great job they've been doing in like creating like a this this injury angle. But I don't know. They needed a hook, and this was what they felt. I, I thought they blew a lot of. They, they just they could have got a mi- gotten mileage out of a lot of stuff on tonight's show, and not the least of which would be 
Ray throughout the night teasing a major announcement and everyone's led to believe that the eye injury is it. And then he makes the announcement. He's coming back and he's coming back to team with his son for the first time ever on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I think, and you could have done an attack. Um, I don't know what they have planned for these guys on Sunday. Cause we didn't go off the air with any direction for any of those people for payback. But if it's anything, you would expect it to be a rematch, right? Because of the lack of conclusion tonight. Oh, that would, I don't know. I just think that that, that was a, you can only pair Ray and Dominic together for the first time mm-hmm. once. And you blew, and you blew that. I agree. On three hours notice. Um, what they did promote really hard, and I think it was very smart for them to do this and not wait till SmackDown was announced immediately. They're going with The Fiend, Roman Reigns, and Braun Strowman, triple threat for the Universal title on Payback. And they played this every commercial. They brought it up throughout the show. Like, Payback is completely built on this match and Roman's first match back. I think it's a really good hook. You know, for a um, you know, essentially a B level show with really only one episode to build towards. I mean, this is a show that really has to sell itself on paper, and I think having Roman Reigns' big return match after several months away, going for the championship, is a pretty strong one, in my opinion. Do you think they could have got more? As we said, my mileage out of this that Roman's first match back alone is a hook and. I mean, going for the title match on seven days, six days notice. Um, do, do you like this pairing going the three-way direction as opposed to anything else? I mean, because it is a three-way, they have the excuse that um, like they're essentially going to save Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns for a later time. I mean, you can even... Fiend, Fiend pins Braun again? Sure, yeah. Um, and you could even, I guess, if there's still life in it, like serve up Braun versus Roman for a TV special if you really wanted to. But I think going the three-way route, um, certainly like... Seems like it's 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 one of the best things they can do to not only have something of value for people to tune into on Sunday, but also saving those singles matches for later. Maybe Roman is just going to wreck people and leave, as the shirt says. That's the new slogan. He'll just does, uh, won't even stick around for the the title. Does Payback have a slogan? Not yet. They don't even have time. No. Payback. Holy shit! It's in six days. <laughs> That's what tonight's Raw was. Uh, Drew McIntyre comes out. Um, man, they are sparing no expense on pyro these days. So they're doing this thing where, like, the pyro comes out of the crowd, like, behind the LED boards, which uh, you can only do with this type of setup. Have you noticed what the new game is? It's to someone to get something controversial onto one of the screens per broadcast. So who won tonight? Uh Tonight, someone got up uh, a picture of Chris Benoit. Yeah, I found it about it after the fact. Oh man, it's uh, it's it's going to be a, yeah, it's going to be a game every single week, and I don't even know how you can really police something like this unless it's, they they hire. I mean, it's, it, it's got to be very difficult to do. What what did you think about? Because tonight it seemed like they had a much better grasp on controlling the reactions of the crowd and getting them to cheer in certain segments, uh, heavily boo different segments, try to do like interactive stuff. Like when Drew was asking to do the thumbs up or Kevin Owens was getting the crowd to react. Um, you know, some people are going to feel this is like the most contrived you have ever seen a WWE fan base, which it is. It is. Uh, At the same time, it's trying to create this, this fake environment as opposed to, 
having it be flat, which is what it would be if they were not being so absolutely controlled. Like, this is like a studio game show. That's what they're producing now. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's a studio game show where you can't even hear the crowd. So you have to use pre-recorded sound to make up the noise for that studio game show. It's totally fucked up. The whole thing is super weird. And I would still say, like, three shows in, still incredibly awkward. Um, Like, including, you know, like, when they're doing R-Truth's full song and having the crowd, like, do the what's up mm-hmm. and res- call, call and response. But, like, <sighs> faintly noticing it. Um, And then, I don't know. It's It's super weird. And... You know, this even this episode, much of it I felt was them really still experimenting and feeling things out by having Drew in, interact a bit, calling for the thumbs up, um, just trying things out and I think learning from it. So to, I, I still look at this period as a big trial for them before they really, you know, make some big adjustments. But it, again, it's it's a huge uphill battle. They're never going to be able to replicate like the feel of a real crowd this way. Yeah, I mean... It's a good like the number of people like they they are incorporating here. It's like a thousand fans. Is I just, that the I number, keep, John? That's what they've thrown out was uh, a thousand. Oh my god! I have a hard time imagining that once you've done this once, that you would want to do it again. Like it does not seem like a fun way to watch a show. Like I would, I would never want to do this. And why? I mean. I just think the idea of watching this on your laptop and you're constantly getting instructions throughout the show, that does not sound enjoyable in any way. Well, it is- you can watch it on your TV. I guess it would be delayed. So, yeah, I guess you can. You could cast it on your TV. But I think they're – listen, if the, – Like if, if you're a super fan, I'm sure that you would like to go through this. But I think that it's uh, – I think they'll, me- they'll have no problem finding 1,000 super fans amongst their entire audience each week. Yeah, I would just be curious how many like how how many repeat uh, fans that they are getting versus people that try it out once and kind of like okay, I, I did this for three hours. I'm I don't I'm good. I got banned. Got my got my sign up there. Got my controversial image up there and got banned. Well, there there is going to be that that audience base that is strictly there to have their five seconds to get that moment and and their their Twitter screen grab. Yeah. So Drew comes out and he asks everyone to put their thumbs up. <laughs> and his response was, man, how cool is that? What a difference. <laughs> he loved this thing. He's Dude, like- this was not contrived on Drew's part. He was genuinely blown away by these people putting their thumbs up. I mean, this is the company guy, Drew McIntyre. I don't doubt that, like, walking out there, like, you, there, you know, there's, like, some genuine emotion in, in how impressed he is by the, the show. And, I like, from a technical span, standpoint, absolutely. And even just, like, uh, you know, having a presence, even if it was, like, virtual of, like, people watching you. I the think first time you walk into that arena and all those screens are on you, I imagine it's a pretty, um, you know, surreal experience to be seeing all these screens, all these people uh, with their uh, delayed eyes on you. Um, I could see the performers really getting a kick out of it the the first time or two that they're in this ring and yeah. performing in in this weird environment that they never could have envisioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, uh, of course, there there could possibly have been elements of him playing it up. This is so cool. That's sick. This is how sick. cool is that? Thumbs. 
He called Orton one of the most evil men on the planet, but he's still champion. Dictator Randy. The secret to his win is that he is hungrier than Randy and he works harder. No matter how many mistakes Orton made in his younger days, his inner circle made sure he still got to the top. And he kept getting better, but last night Drew was that much better. And said it was a wrestling maneuver that Drew won with and asks if that makes him the greatest wrestler ever. He says if Orton wants to fight again, I'll kick your head off and send you to Claymore Country. And then uh, pretty much offers like the rematch. I'll beat you again if you want a rematch. So Drew is going up. He is going ever so... He specifically says that I'd never hit the Claymore on you. So this time, that's his aim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's slowly going up the ramp. His back is to the entrance. What could be happening here? Randy comes from behind and beats down Drew. They fight to the back area. And Orton rakes the eyes. They have a fixation on eyes. That is the desired go-to right now. I feel like Vince McMahon got maybe like um, dirt in his eyes or something and realized, God damn it, that's really irritating. Imagine if someone's eye was compromised. You know, it is a very relatable part of the body um, that I, I'm sure everybody has at some point in their lives felt discomfort from. More so than like uh, the ribs. God damn it, my globe luxation. <laughs> I think my optic nerve has been compromised. I better go to a local medical facility to check out my eye and things of that nature. Imagine if he spoke like that in real life. I think he does. Really? Uh, so he gouges the eyes of Drew and then delivers the safest punt in the world, followed by a second punt. And... You see, see the last pun, the, the punts looked really safe. I think, I, and I don't think he was doing them any differently from the way he was doing them to Christian or to. No, it was uh, just the Edge. angle. It was the fact that you didn't have a camera to cut to because I would assume that this was actually done live. Yeah. So um, they did this in Gorilla, and you know you can clearly like see and sense the distance between his foot and the thing. And of course, like you should do the spot like this. It's got to be safe. But the problem is because this was not a pre-tape, it came across that much more fake. And um, it's an argument to, to do these only in pre-tapes. So, um... Oh, except there was a difference because he would, he would of course go on to do it a third time on the show and it looked yeah. great on the third time. Do you know why John? He slapped his knee. Slap, slap, uh, what was it? Uh, slap class or whatever he was uh, the, lecturing Tommaso Ciampa about? The, yeah, the man who has been most critical of people slapping their thigh, like, needed it tonight. Uh, I mean, that's that was immediately what I thought was so funny the first time he made that comment was that here's a guy who's most famous, well, second most uh, associated move uh, with him is one that completely relies on sl slapping the thigh. Um, but you see, last week, Shawn Michaels got up after one punt. So Drew had to be able to get to his feet after two punt kicks. I would say, it, it, you know, by the end of the night, I think they tried to preserve the impact of the punt. But they have, to me, it's kind of like one punt is like, all right, you're still down from only one punt. 
For Drew, like, I mean, it absolutely makes sense. Like, he's the guy who survives, you know, X amount of F5s. Like, he's he's supposed to be superhuman. But, but not Sean. But seeing Sean's lack of involvement in the show yesterday outside of standing in front of a cash register um, from the, the 19, 1800s, like, he had no reason to stand up after the punt. That was so bad last week. Like, it really trivialized the punt, especially when you were coming back with such an intense angle this week. And you've taken out all the other legends with that. And Sean, Sean was not only get up to his feet last week, he was fine on Sunday. He wasn't even selling the effects of it. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that really promo. sure. I don't know. That was, that was a very silly um, handling of it. So Drew is stumbling to his feet. He insists he's fine. And Superman makes it up to his feet after taking the two punts. Uh, but he's clearly affected by these two kicks to the head, as one should be. Yeah, and, and thus began the story of the night where uh, Drew McIntyre, the method actor, was channeling uh, the great actor Kenny from South Park. Uh, did get I guess, I guess it did. Did Kenny suffer from um, brain bleeding? Is that, is that what they said? Uh, yes, um, skull possible skull possible fracture. skull fracture. Yes, as Charlie, the intrepid reporter, was eavesdropping. Yeah, through the through the door. Then they plug the game-changing, captivating athlete Keith Lee coming tonight. Sarah Schreiber's in the back. Nia Jack shows up. She's been reinstated and just has to apologize to Pat Buck, which never happened. There was no apology, but she's back. She argues with Shayna Baszler and tells Shayna, if you need my help, give me a call. Shayna says, I'll call. I'll call you Haystacks Calhoun. <laughs> Except he was good looking. Naya says, I am good looking. You Adam's family reject. <laughs> welcome back, Naya. Yeah, welcome Which is funny. Shayna, Shayna used to be on uh, Wednesday. Now she's on Monday. <laughs> Very good. Yes. You know, the way this back and forth sounded, it sounded a whole lot less like trash talk and way more like, like, like a teenager's first attempt to flirt to me. I'm going to call you Haystacks Calhoun. You Adams family reject. Why does Jimmy always make fun of me? It's because <laughs> Jimmy likes you. It's <laughs> totally what this was. Dude, Shayna is, God bless her, she's trying her best, but she has to overcome a lot on oh, Raw. This material is so bad. But you're right, John. I mean, they're, they're going to pair these two up. It's, that's where we're going here. Yeah, there was, there was zero mention of Asuka and Shayna's win last week, was there? I don't even know if they brought I it up. Don't think so, unless that was the reason why Shayna had that match with Bailey. But yeah, no. Bailey and Sasha are depressed. They're out here for the match with Shayna. Goes four and a half minutes. Nia's watching from the ramp. Um, Shayna, it's uh like these two could have had a really compelling match together. They just had no time, and it's obvious that they are trying to keep match times as little as possible. The first two hours of Raw tonight featured nine and a half minutes of wrestling. Interesting. Okay. Sometimes, John, like that's not really much of a complaint to me. Like if a match has no reason to really exist, I'd, I'd rather they just get it over with quickly and save the time for matches that I, I, I prefer to like have good story and good build. Isn't that an interesting contrast, though? How did Dynamite start on Saturday? They did not wait 30 seconds to ring the bell because they see what their audience watches and what their audience tunes out for. 
And that's true. Yeah. It's the complete opposite between Raw and AEW as we're looking at, you know, their competition for young 18 to 34 year old viewers. I think it also says something about like why even, you know, the most random pairing of like participants in AEW when they announce it ahead of time, I get excited for it. Whereas if they do it with on Raw and even if it's a good pairing, I'm less excited for it. I think that's because we, you know, AEW has proven that their matches are, are going to be of higher quality and they'll have legitimate finishes and they'll be allowing their guys to really pull out all the stops, even if it was like, you know, Reynolds and Silver of the Dark Order. Um, oh my God. Did you see Being the Elite today? I did, yes. Oh my yes. God, dude. Brody Lee and John Silver were the best piece of wrestling content I consumed today. They they were so awesome together. I, I, I loved the interaction uh, between those two. It was great. They've, uh, they've definitely like stolen BTE for, uh, you know, several weeks now. And, uh, I, I think this is really everything clicking with those guys for, uh, for, you know, both on that, on BTE and also on, um, uh, sorry, on the actual show itself. But, you know, getting back to like raw, it's, I know you're not going to get the match quality uh, of AEW. Like that is very clear. Uh, the performers won't be allowed to have the best matches that they'll they're possibly able to have. I know are, this. There's there are definitely the handcuffs that come with Raw uh, and the match layout. Number two, uh, FTR and Private Party. Whatever you want to say about the the match, I thought it was a very very good match between them. You also had uh, ten days knowing you were going to be getting this match and got to think about it. This you had thirty seconds that you knew Bailey and Sasha or Bailey and Shayna were going to have a match. The problem is like okay, let's say they promoted ba- Bailey versus Shayna, and then they gave you this. Or well, that's pro- that's a know. larger problem. Yeah, like ultimately to- you have to deliver on the match itself, you know, to to justify the the promotion. Otherwise, you're just going to piss people off. So uh, Baszler is taunting Banks on the floor. She goes for the triangle. Banks distracts and Bailey attacks her from behind. Baszler's hitting her with body shots, sends her to the floor. Uh, Baszler is dumped down there. And as she's getting up, as the count is progressing, Nia yanks Shayna off the apron, causing her to be counted out in four and a half minutes. Stupid finish. And then somehow this was a bonding moment between these two. I didn't get that at all. Oh, dude, this was so, this made no sense. Baszler and Jax start fighting on the floor, and then Banks and Bailey are encouraging each one to fight the other. So they think that, hey, they're just playing us. So they suddenly come together shoulder to shoulder and stare them down, and this earned them a tag title shot. <laughs> Unlike this yeah. week where we're going to get a gauntlet match involving the number one through four ranked contenders in a gauntlet match where the number four ranked has to go through one more hurdle than the second ranked and the first ranked in order to establish the tag title challengers for the next pay-per-view. These idiots on AEW, all you have to do is stare a hole into Omega and Hangman. That's how you get a title shot. Yeah, you never heard about the staring in uh, simultaneously staring with a, p- a random partner stipulation to earn a title shot. Just the silliest setup to to this match. Listen, they need something really fast for uh, payback, um, but that's still no excuse for like such I don't know like really sloppy um, storytelling. And you know what? They had something here. Shayna pinned Bailey last week. So either they could have gone the Oscar route, 
or you could have at the very least had you know some justification for Shayna being able to say I deserve a chance to, at at one of your belts and if it's not going to be the SmackDown belt then it's going to be the tag team belt well who are you going to pair with I'll find somebody and then it'll be like whatever like you can actually make sense of I think the elements that they have but instead they just rush to just a non-explanation really Kevin Owens is searching for Aleister Black's lair, comes by the door, and didn't get a response to his invite, and the segment is next, and he hopes he'll see Aleister out there, and then a hand reaches out and shuts the door close. I miss being inside the room. Well, you can turn the lights off and be right there. It's not the same. Not without that voice. The Kevin Owens show begins. Black walks out. He's got his right eye all bandaged up like he's Terry Funk without the blood and walks to the steps, but then pauses, looks at the corner that compromised his eye, and he just can't do it. He's not going to walk up the steps. Instead, he rolled into the ring, a a psychological hurdle that the man has not been able to clear yet, confronting the stairs. Owens says that they've been concerned since Murphy shoved his eye into the edge of the steps. Black suggests they run the footage. He's watched it a million times. So they air the footage. And then as Kevin Owens is explaining his own issues he's had with Seth Rollins, Aleister Black apparently was poisoned by his wife because he started (laughs) to faint. (laughs) And Owens is concerned. And then Alistair hits him with a spinning elbow and the black mass. And Alistair just marches to the back, leaving Kevin Owens dead in the ring. He'll turn for Alistair Black. I guess so, yeah. Seems like it. Uh, we shall see. Uh, at this point, why not? You know, the character was really going nowhere. Um, it's nice to see that they didn't just at least for you know forget about that eye injury and that they're using it to springboard a, a character change for him. Time to try something new for Alistair Black. And it's... It's unfortunate that I think we have to feel that way because there's still plenty of life left in him being as a babyface, which I never really felt he got a fair shake as. Bailey and Banks, they're in the back. They can't risk getting hurt as Sasha's got a match tonight. She's going to win back her Raw Women's Championship. Then we go to the ring and it's time for our fatal four-way. Shelton Benjamin, Akira Tozawa, Cedric Alexander, and R-Truth for the 24-7 title, including the longest entrance R-Truth has ever had to get every last lyric for his What's Up rap. More importantly, to, I guess, test out like the What's Up responses. I'm not really sure how they're doing this. I really can't imagine that they're actually taking any real audio from any of these Zoom calls because like the, the sound would be so difficult to manage. It would sound like it would certainly not sound like it would be coming from an arena. So are they just triggering these what's ups? Are they putting it into the body of the song itself? I don't know, but it was still really weird because the energy just isn't there in these people's faces when on the screen. And even if they were like, man, even if they were all like Brock Lesnar guy on these screens, I, I don't know if it would come across. It's just, it's still super weird and it takes some getting used to. How have they not gotten the, uh, the front row guys? I feel like I've seen Brock Lesnar guy, but yeah, the the other people, I'm not, I'm not sure. Just want to make sure they're, uh, you know, still, still, still watching. I have to imagine they are. Did you see the latest classic uh, AJ Styles Twitch stream? Did not. Please. 
what happened? He's he's fielding questions and he's he's watching uh or he's he's on Twitch with his son and someone asks him what he thinks about Raw Underground and he starts talking about it and he asks his son what he thinks about it and his son just goes I don't watch WWE anymore. Oh my god. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, how did you respond? He was like of course. He He's he's under eighteen. This is not the demographic that we are hitting anymore. Amazing, bullcrap. <laughs> so we had our four way that Twitch uh, stream, like the best thing that should be that should be the second that should be the third hour of Raw. It, 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 I guess he's on SmackDown. Forget now. talking smack. Like you have your talking smack. It's AJ Styles Twitch stream. Yeah, you could you should have <laughs> AJ Styles should be on Twitch, and you know what uh, what our truth should be on. What's up? Benjamin dumped Tozawa on the mat and Truth went for the cover. There was a springboard attempt by Cedric who was stopped uh, with a Benjamin knee drilling him to the floor. Benjamin then power bombs Tozawa over the top. The ninjas catch him and return him to the apron. Truth then tosses Benjamin and the ninjas uh, hold on to him. Tozawa does a sunset flip roll up onto R-Truth pinning him in a minute 28 And then Benjamin attacks the ninjas as Tozawa runs away with the 24-7 championship. A real changing of the guard with uh, the anointing of Akira Tozawa as a 24-7 champion. Uh, Huge, huge victory. You know, these never seem to be going like to any sort of final destination. I mean, it is absolutely the hot potato title, but it just like there's no real long-term storyline attached to it. Like, if if you told me that every week, okay, Vince McMahon, 7.20 p.m., flips a coin to see who was going to win the 24-7 title that day, I wouldn't be surprised because these amount to nothing at all. Could you imagine Could you imagine this match being laid out and it was Cedric Alexander winning the 24-7 title and Vince McMahon saying, no, no, we, we can't go with that. It's It's got to be Tozawa that wins the title. We're right. redoing this. I can't imagine. I really can't even imagine him sticking around in Gorilla to watch these matches. He's, this is probably his bathroom break. That's the best analogy you gave for this division, Final Destination, because being part of this division is like being inside the plane on Final Destination. Everyone is doomed. It's just a matter of when. I've never seen that movie, but... Um, First one's good. Yeah, okay. Randy Orton comes out, and... He has done whatever he wants to whoever he wants, whenever he wants. But that didn't happen last night. He said he would kick Drew in the skull and take the title, but I didn't. But I'm a man of my word. I killed the legend of Edge, Christian, Big Show, Ric Flair. He said Shawn Michaels, but I mean, Shawn Michaels really preserved his legend last week, did he not? Yeah, are you kidding me? Like... He's fine. He's he's hanging out at... Uh, Pioneer Village. He's he's good. He's fine. With his maroon walls and single light bulb. Yeah. Seriously, what where where do you find a room like that? That was like a haunted house. He's probably, you know, cooking over an open fire. He says he kicked Drew twice. Why? Because he offered me a rematch out of pity. <laughs> That's why he got two kicks in the head. He is Randy that was Orton. his reason? Like Yeah. He said because he offered him a rematch out of pity, he gets two kicks in the head. So is it <laughs> 
Is it telling me that Orton didn't want the rematch? Like he was set, you know, okay, SummerSlam, I had my shot. I'm just going to fade into the background. Oh, Drew offered me a rematch? Fuck that guy. Was it? Yeah. Was that it? Maybe Edge is going to come back because it was Orton that begged for the rematch after losing at WrestleMania to have the wrestling match. And Edge is going to kick him in the head five times. All right. Forcing him to have that rematch where I hurt myself. You know what? doesn't matter. He gets interrupted by Keith Lee, uh, and they've already adjusted his theme. They killed his theme. Are you kidding me? Like, they... Okay, so Keith Lee makes his debut, comes out to the most, like, generic rock CD track number five. Like, gone is his rap. Um, I felt like I was watching a ECW show on the WWE Network. They edited it, yeah. I I don't understand. You know, like, his, his rap was, like, one of the most identifiable parts of his character. I mean, I could only assume Vince McMahon doesn't, doesn't like it. Uh, Samoa Joe is putting him over really big, and then we already off- have a rapper. Okay, that's true. Yeah, we have multiple. We rappers. have the greatest rapper alive already on our roster. How can we have somebody that would top our truth? What's on What's on Vince McMahon's iPod or whatever he's listening to? It's iTunes. I would think like we're going ACDC, Kid Rock, our truth, and then back to I don't know saliva. Like that would probably be the shuffle mode. Yeah. Um, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, maybe a bit of a flow rider. Oh, of course. Flow rider. Yeah. It's, it's like Florida. I'm listening to Florida. <laughs> Keith. Hey, Lee. listen, we, we, I think we're, we're giving him such a hard time on the man's birthday, no less. But the man could no. His birthday's over. It's twelve eighteen. Okay, fine. But like, what if he like? What if he surprises you? What if like he gives you his like you know iPhone and like and like his Spotify list is just like the best shit. Like this is a, the most obscure thing. Yeah, this is uh this is my favorite. R. A. The Rugged Man. Oh, very good. Uh, yeah. I I, I don't know what else Vince McMahon uh might be listening to, but uh, that's good shit. <laughs> Flow Rider. You can never get enough Flow Rider on uh on WWE production. Uh that was the CM Punk bit. That was uh I was I thought always always very clever. Back back in uh a Cabana podcast, they went through every state and thought of like different rappers that could go the same way. They came up with like oh. Illinois. Uh <laughs> they just went through all different st- like rappers that could come up with different states uh to follow in the footsteps of Flow Rider. Kid- I mean, guy's a marketing genius. Um, what would you do for Mississippi? Miss Mississippi. Oh, yeah. Cal, California. Cal I Fornia. Um, California is a tough one. It, it doesn't work for all of them. It's 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 tough. That's why Flo Rida is a lyrical genius. Yeah, it is. yeah. Keith Lee offers Randy the opportunity to bask in his glory. He lists off all his nicknames. Then he lists off all of Randy's nicknames and says, with respect to my good friend, Drew, I'm willing to step up and face you right now. Randy's response, Keith Lee, was it? Do I want to face you? Mm, Maybe later. And he rolls out of the ring. So they were going to make you wait for this match. How long? An hour. It's a decent amount of time. Sure. Charlie was with uh, Zelina Vega. 
and Garza, who are arguing alongside Demi Burnett, who has got a season's pass at WWE events during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. She, um, they ask if Vega is ready to admit she poisoned Montez Ford. So they are not dropping this. She denies it again. Garza then says, haven't you ever been caught before? And Vega gets upset that she is trying to concentrate on her match and she's pissed at Garza, who continues flirting with Demi, invites her to come with his ma- to watch his match, and then Demi gives a look to Charlie. Yeah, so continuing, I guess, that rivalry, the Demi... Burnett. I didn't know we were having a rivalry between Demi and Charlie. The Demi Burnett Charlie Caruso feud, uh, probably leading up to something at WrestleMania. You, yeah, this is uh, the the lengthy build for Ivar and Angel Garza for Demi Burnett's heart. Yeah, so this poison story thing is continuing, um, and I have to imagine it's going to be revealed that it won't be Zelina but somebody else. Maybe it's not. It's got to be Demi. Like the Demi what's... God. The demigod. Okay. Yeah, maybe. What? Why else is she there? To poison the Montez Ford really badly. Like, what did she use? Missed a week. Hmm. Anyway. Don't know. So Garza comes out with Demi and Andrade. There's a promo with Dawkins threatening to rip over his, uh, rip off his pants. And Montez Ford says he has the Mamba mentality as a, uh, a tribute. It would have been Kobe Bryant's 50, 42nd birthday on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Ford uh, gets caught coming off the top with a drop kick, uh, and his pants come off. And then Ivar comes down as Garza's in control. He's got a turkey leg for Demi, and she ends up leaving. And this upsets Garza. Uh, Ford then kicks him in the chest, drops him off the turnbuckle, uh, and he hits from the heavens as he rotates in three minutes and 13 seconds. Just like. <laughs> Imagine reading that sentence that you just said. Um, if you weren't a fan of this show, if you had never seen wrestling before, <laughs> Ivar guy. came down and lured Demi away with a giant turkey leg, upsetting Angel Garza because the turkey leg slash loss of Demi distracted him for the finish. <laughs> this this was so bad. I didn't even write this down uh, in my match. So. Tack on three minutes. So they did. They had uh, 12 and a half minutes of wrestling in the two hours. Man, the, the storylines in this tag division have been so bad this summer. Like, we've we've got these poisonings. Um, we've got men stealing girls via turkey legs. Um, and, and I'm not even, you know, making mention uh, until now of, of the great um, best of five sports battles that these teams have had. But, God, like, creative has not been kind to... To, to the, these, this to tag these. division is so flat. Oh. I mean, God, they've just beaten Garza and Andrade like a drum. This this feud is, I have no interest in it. And what are the other teams you've got going? The Viking Raiders? Who else is even in circulation for the, the these tag titles? I mean, they've had them on the Street Profits forever. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's a very flat title picture. Like, I can't even care about the matches because I've seen them so often. Uh and they end in the most ridiculous, stupid ways. So Shane is in the back with Nia Jax. And Jax says she's not thrilled about teaming with Shayna Baszler at Payback, which I'm pretty sure is the first mention that they're getting the tag title shot. Because later, they showed the graphic as if it was the reveal, even though they revealed it in this 
pre-tape backstage. It's a whole contract signing back there that we just didn't see. We missed it, the contract signing. So Nia really wants to win the tag titles. This has suddenly become a goal of hers, and she needs Shayna's help to win these titles. So Baszler says, I'll help you, but would you get off my back, okay? And just leave me alone after. Well, if you win the tag titles, she can't leave you alone. She literally cannot leave you alone. You have to defend these titles. So Nia shoves Shayna. Shayna then slaps Nia. And um, yes, the uh, the feuding partners way. Man, are they going to get along on Sunday? How will they coexist? Yeah, it's exactly like you. It's everything exactly how as you predicted. I mean, uh, will they be able to get along? I'm not sure. I don't know. Tune in on Sunday to find out. So they're totally winning these titles on Sunday. They've got to get the titles off Bailey and Sasha. I, I would think so. Um, sure, whatever. I, I, at least it's going to like a pair that are um, relatively fresh at the moment in Shannon and Nia. I, I guess it does disappoint me that it's just... You know, the belts are, again, being used for singles competitors rather than you know, legitimate tag teams. Hey, on the subject of nicknames, what did you think about uh, for Karrion Cross? The fir- it's the first time I heard it on su- on Saturday, the suplexorcist. Um, I think it's brilliant. The suplexorcist. Would you buy a t-shirt that read suplexorcist? No. I don't think he should ever call himself that. Uh, I don't think... What would be tougher to just casually inject into a promo to get over your branding? I, Karrion Cross, the suplexorcist. Or Drew McIntyre, I'm not on top of the mountain. I am the damn mountain. (laughs) Which he yelled after SummerSlam and tweeted out. So it's an obvious new catchphrase they're going to go with this guy with. So get ready for uh, a mountain t-shirt with Mount McIntyre written on it or something. Drinking Mountain Dew. Really go. Yeah. Located uh, just around Claymore Country. (laughs) The mountain of McIntyre. Yeah. so Ruby and Liv meet up with Bianca Belair, and they're going to take on the iconic dumbasses. It's a six-woman tag. Zelina Vega with her best friends, the Iconics, against Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, and Liv Morgan. Uh, this was such an odd pairing uh, with the heels. Billy Kay knocks down Riot. They double-teamed her. Vega then drives her knee into Riot in the corner. Vega then knocks Liv off the apron. Belair gets tagged. I thought Bianca Belair was uh, the only one who kind of shined in this. Um, she hit her own version of the glam slam. The Iconics made the save. Vega tried to roll up, and then Belair nailed her with a right hand and the KOD. Three minutes and 28 seconds. Bianca Belair needs to be utilized in a in a higher position. Um, this match was just there. I mean, I think I think she will be, and I think it's a match like this that tells me that they're taking her seriously because it, I don't really see any other reason for this match existing, but to you know give that time for Bianca Belair to step into the spotlight in ring she can't help but just look like so impressive especially compared to so much of the other talent in the, in the division um and here like it was no different so i think everybody else played decent uh good supporting roles um all really serving 
you know, the stage for Bianca. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was mainly Vega in there. And it's like Zelina Vega has her limitations. Uh, it was just very short. It was. But, you know, she does a great job, like, basically, like, you know, being somebody for Bianca Belair to, like, beat up. I just didn't understand Vega's involvement here. This just felt like we needed a body. So Zelina Vega makes up a third heel. To- That's exactly it. Like, well, who else is there? I mean, there was just, there was no setup for this. There was no reason for it. Like, what's the association with Vega and the Iconics? There's none. Uh, why is this manager in a match? Okay. Um, Alexander and Ricochet are screwing around with the arm wrestling table in the back. And Alexander beats Ricochet. And they went and asked Ricochet, how do you feel after this arm wrestling challenge? And he just said, you know, I've already won. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of arm wrestling challenges. I'm, I'm just getting started. Mark Henry walks in and says, I've got to take this to the ring. Unless you two have a problem with that. No, 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 Mark. No, 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 no. Please take this. I mean, that was God. so cool. That was oh. Mark Henry. Dude. The Hall of Famer. He talked to us. <laughs> MVP walks in, says, you geeks. He says, Cedric is clowning around with Ricochet after you lost the 24-7 title match. Was he the... No, Shelton was the champion, right? I don't know who was the champion. Cedric was just in the match. Yeah. Ricochet starts arguing with MVP, and MVP says that Ricochet abandoned him last week. The Hurt Business is a family business, and we'll tell you, Cedric, when you're wasting your prime years. I'll see you later, Seti. So he's trying to build up the tension here. Um, man, Cedric Alexander and Ricochet, you could not script two people to be less cool than they did in these two minutes. Like just total geeks. It's astounding where Ricochet is in the hierarchy. They're, they're just being cast in the role of like, you know, loitering teenagers at the mall. Um, in this case though, I guess they're hanging out, loitering around a arm wrestling table, but they're just like, you know, they're good dudes. They're 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 nice um guys you would hang out with, but um not really competitors you would take seriously at this point in time. Uh where was where do you think Mustafa Ali was during all of this? Was he off in catering? No, oh, who knows. They should have the catering camp. That should be like where the watch alongs are. Mark Henry is in the ring. This is the best line. SummerSlam is over, and we are six short days away from payback. <laughs> I just thought that was a great line. Why? T- I don't know. It's just ridiculous that we're coming off. SummerSlam's over, and in six days, we have another show. I'm just a little perplexed that we have this pay-per-view on Sunday. He tees up the arm wrestling challenge, and out come Cruz and Lashley. And <laughs> he says that... Uh, he mentions Mustafa Ali, Ricochet, and and Cedric the Entertainer. And this clearly was not a joke. It was a clear screw-up because he catches himself and says, well, he's kind of an entertainer, Cedric Alexander, and just moves on. <laughs> that was the best part of this. Lashley says he doesn't need MVP or Shelton Benjamin. He's going to slam his arm down and beat up Apollo, but not bad enough because he still wants to beat him for the title at payback. Little man. Cruz says the same thing was said to him by MVP at SummerSlam, and look what happened. 
Lashley pulls away. He takes off his jacket. He's stalling for the arm wrestling uh, contest. And then they lock hands. Apollo steps on Lashley's foot and slams down the hand to win. Then goes for the toss powerbomb. It's stopped. Bicycle kick. Then he takes out MVP and Benjamin who have come down with a dive to the floor. And he runs off with his title. Yeah. Um, did you know like stepping inside the, the table is illegal in an arm wrestling competition? I buy it. Yeah. That's, that should be illegal. Yeah. So that was the, um, that was the big ploy that Lashley had here. He was going to get extra leverage by stepping his foot in the platform and Apollo caught it and he won based off of that distraction. So, um, this was fine. Um, I thought it made Apollo look good. You know, anytime you have the baby face outsmart these heels. Yeah. Um, I guess I just really can't help but like compare, you know, these sort of stunt segments, something like this to, let's say, even like the debate. Okay. Between Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho or like, you, you didn't think this was as good as the debate <laughs> or Orange Cassidy's first interview or, or like, really like anytime, like, you know, I, I, I think somebody announces like a stunt segment, I expect a bit more satisfaction coming out of it, either from like a big, you know, a visual thing or just something a bit more substantial. And this one really just felt like it was guy won an arm wrestling match um, by stepping on another dude's foot, hit a few moves and then left. It just felt like they had an idea and it got changed half an hour before the show. And I don't know that uh, as fact, but that's what this segment felt like. Or or there was an idea, and then they just, like, went from A to B in the most direct way possible. You know, without really, like, feeling that there was all that much, I don't know, substance to it? I'll say this positive about this show. I thought they did a good job of making Bobby Lashley feel like a monster by the end of this show. Like, he has been... You know, background, but not hurt. And tonight they put a good focus on Bobby Lashley. I'll say that. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. They recap the uh, the match between the street fight with Dominic and Seth. And the Mysterios are in the back, including Angie. Charlie interviews them. Ray says, whatever happens, he's proud of his son. Dominic gave Seth hell. Dominic uh, says he was terrified, but his family gave him the courage. And Ray says one day Seth will have a family and understand that he's going to have to live with these consequences. Last night, my son became a man. And he's been dreaming of tonight to share the ring with his son. And he'll be damned if Seth will ruin tonight for him. I believe it. I, I mean, he's he's talked about this for a long time. Teaming with this is son. a good promo from, uh, from Ray. Mm -hmm. Natalia and Lana are in the ring. And they are going to induct a special woman into the Hall of Fame. Lana puts over Natalia as the boat. But tonight they are here to honor Mickey James. Tonight her trail ends. Tonight they retire the chick with the kick that they said in stereo. And they go to a highlight reel that Natalia has edited all day long. And it's a blank screen of Mickey James' greatest moments. So Mickey sees the blank screen. She thought she was getting a five-minute tribute video. And instead, she gets this. She was livid. She probably called her family, 
to sit around the TV ready to watch this. She runs out way more angry than this blank video screen should have brought out of her. But she was livid. So she shoves down Natalia really hard. And then she did not retire the chick kick because she nailed Lana with it. And then she exited. Yes. It it was nice to see them continue the feud, you know, especially after last week's match with Seth Rollins. It was was nice of them to do this segment and not be in the background of someone's interview. Yeah, it was nice to not have Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe basically talking all over the segment. Um, But, you know, as a result of like last week's treatment, it all feels incredibly unimportant. You know, uh, they did a whole lot of damage, I thought, to to whatever they were trying to set up last last week between these few. Um, I, you know, like having seen Natalia and, and Lana now several times on screen together, they clearly are still, I think, trying to workshop a whole lot. They have not found the chemistry that makes them stand out quite yet. Um, and I just, ha- you know, despite them being real friends, I really don't get a sense that their skill sets are being effectively you know, utilize to complement one another, at least not in this current form. Lashley tells Shane McMahon he wants a fight tonight, and he enters with the Hurt Business into the Raw Underground freezer. Lashley uh, comes back after the break, and he just guillotines this man to death. The guy died. Yeah, yeah, this poor man. Limp body just kicked him to the floor. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, and the underground, yeah, so they did move it to the Amway Center. Um, that's right. It's a bit more bare bones, like they don't have all the props, but a no-rope ring with people standing around it. So then Lashley and Ziggler have a fight, and Ziggler gets him down with a single leg. Lashley slams him and starts kicking him in the back. <laughs> Ziggler applies his rear naked choke. Lashley tries to roll out of it unsuccessfully, then flips Ziggler off, shoulder blocks him off the off the mat to the floor onto everyone, which uh, wins via TK sick. And then he takes another dude and just head kicks the guy's head off. And I guess this like uh, ruined the announced match of Dolph Ziggler versus Ivar. You remember? Oh, that? what happened to Dolph and Ivar? You're right. Yeah. Well, they did. Shane did make brief mention of it when Dolph stepped up here against Lashley. He's like, "Oh, this isn't our announced match, but okay." There are no rules in the underground. Sure. Got to so, keep Ivar strong for Demi. Yeah, so I mean, plans change. I guess that's fine. I totally forgot about it, so I can't complain. Randy Orton and Keith Lee. Lee does a leapfrog. Um, Dude, there's, I understand you need to put over Keith Lee, but like Tom Phillips was like, he caught the punch of Orton. He caught his fist. Unfortunately, like that was the belly to belly. (laughs) That was like his lone big spot in this match. Oh, was was catching a fist. It was a nothing match, like nothing that was going to showcase Keith Lee to a viewer that had never seen him. I can't see how you would walk away saying, oh, God, we're going to get the real match on Sunday. Orton sends his shoulder into the post, so he was initiated onto Raw with his post going into, or his shoulder going into the post. Uh, Orton did his stomp. Lee hit a crossbody off the ropes. Uh, Joe compares it to a small car being thrown at you. Lee then catches him with a kick. Draping uh, The draping DDT is hit by Orton. He calls for the RKO, but Drew McIntyre yanks him to the floor for the DQ. So if you're keeping track, we've had a count out. We've had a DQ. 
And we've got our no contest still to come. So Drew uh, causes the DQ. So Keith Lee technically loses his first match on Raw. Orton then hops the barricade and runs away. And Drew is stumbling away. As they note, he's been hit with two punt kicks. And Keith Lee just did the the Houdini. He disappeared into nothingness uh, for this post-match attack with Drew and Randy. Yeah, he was gone. Um, I, I, I thought, you know, like the... It, this was a chance to see like one of the maybe the biggest star on the show um against Keith Lee as a way to reintroduce Keith Lee to this raw audience um unfortunately i didn't think the the preview here was anything impressive i felt like they could have given lee some more spectacular moments that would have made him really stand out uh and, and you know especially for somebody who hadn't seen a keith lee match before really see like the full ability of what this guy can do um he caught randy orton's punch and that was about it I thought this was a very disappointing handling of Keith Lee tonight to just introduce him. Um, I, I wasn't left with this, you know, excited about a rematch. Like, they'll get, obviously, more time on Sunday, but I, I thought it was a pretty flat introduction of Keith Lee tonight. It does tell you that they, you know, the fact that they put him here with Randy Orton, I think, does tell you that they see him at that higher level immediately, which gives me hope. He's not arm wrestling with Cedric Alexander and Ricochet. Not yet. No, no, that's true. Charlie is with Drew, who says, it's really impressive that you're standing after two punt kicks. Drew says, Orton tried to end my career uh, when Orton attacked me from behind. And then Orton attacked him from behind again and hit him. I thought this, it was like almost so silly at this point. He hit him with a third punt kick. And it was like, at this point, okay, the guy's dead. Charlie then reports after the commercial that she has overheard Drew may have a possible skull fracture. Uh, there's bleeding in the brain, and it's potentially career-ending. This is what she picked up through the door. <laughs> is that responsible to do your journalism by listening through a door? I mean, to me, that would be... Um, I, I think you would want to confirm it um, and not just go by kind of uh, whispers behind a door that you may have you know, mistaken... Uh, Skull fracture with, um, man, did you see Keith Lee? That match was dull. Yes. Fracture. <laughs> Hard to come up with a rhyme for fracture. Yes. Skull fracture. It was a uh, dull and lackluster. Mm. That could work. Sure. So Drew's career might be over. Well, he, he surely won't be ready in six days. It looks like, um, and I don't mind the delay at all. I think, again, like Drew versus Orton is a strong enough feud that you can really drag it out for a couple months. And if it w it's not going to be on payback, you would assume that they would save it for Clash of Champions on uh, September 27th. Yeah, I don't think they're delaying. I, I think it's the week before. I think it's, uh, it's, the, it's the week G1 starts, I think. The 20th. Oh, the 20th. Okay. So I think Drew, yeah, probably. We're looking four weeks away. I mean, Ray, Ray Mysterio should just come up to Drew and be like, dude, it's three kicks. You know what I mean? I, I put my eyeball back inside. It's okay. <laughs> You're fine. So Asuka and Sasha Banks in a lumberjack match for the Raw women's title. Uh, our lumberjacks, a real signifier of the Raw women's division. We had Bel Air, Morgan, Riot, the Iconics, Natalia, Lana, and Mickey. And Baszler was out there as well. I mean, that's not a insignificant amount of people, but how many people, I guess, are... How, how many ready? contenders do you have in this? You have yeah. Baszler, 
Bel Air, I think, is someone that they've they have not harmed yet. Not yet. I, I, people that you can uh, heat up for a title program, it's Baszler and at, Naya at the moment. Yeah, I mean, but you give like a month's build to, you know, um, a Liv Morgan. I think they can, like, you know, if they tell a good enough story, they will. They could eventually get there. Uh, but yeah, like, can somebody deliver like an in-ring standard? I suppose. Um, now, I guess that might be a different question. There's a hip attack to Sasha. She goes off the apron. They go through a break. Oscar hit the uh, the deep impact DDT. Went to the ankle lock. Banks gets out of that. Misses Oscar off the apron and takes out the Riot Squad. And Oscar starts drilling her with a sliding knee. This is very confusing because Sasha looked like she was concerned that she hit the Riot Squad. I don't know why she would care. Um, Oscar then starts attacking the Lumberjacks to get to Bailey. Banks shoves her into the post, and then Sasha does the frog splash for a two-count. Bailey gets a chair. Baszler stops the chair, and Banks is distracted, allowing Asuka to apply the Asuka lock, submitting her in 748. And then after the match, Banks looked like she was on the verge of tears as Bailey was looking like she screwed up again. And this just seemed like a, um, well, we... We need to fill eight minutes. We'll beat Sasha again um, just to add to these losses to set up the title loss on Sunday. Well, they they needed a big hook to get people to tune into the third hour, right? That That's probably the main thing. Um, you had the Mysterios and you had Orton and Keith Lee. Yeah, you wanted to I keep guess. stacking it, right? Um, yes. So they, they announced this and delivered, you know, more of a skit than an actual match. The match was last night. This was more just story. Um, they also had a bit of a, you know, way to build to the Shayna tag match further uh, in the body of all this. But I think their attempt to like, am I supposed to feel sympathy for Sasha that like Bailey screwed up? Or am I supposed to like, you know, um, you're supposed to have sympathy for Oscar, who's now beaten Bailey last week and Sasha this week and is not getting this tag title chance. Right, right. But, like, in storyline, you know, Sasha was looking so disappointed. And I know, like, the story is that I'm supposed to feel like Bailey screwed up again. But I just didn't really get the sense, okay? Like, I, I don't feel sympathy for Sasha because, to me, she is as much to blame for a poor plan. And this, to, you know, again, was just, like, the result of a poor plan coming together rather than the action of, like, one specific heel. Yeah, it's like you are, you're only, you, you, there's there's no sympathetic party in Bailey and Sasha. It's not like you are feeling bad for Sasha being wronged here. It's just, well, your conniving plan backfired on you. Tough. Um, and I don't think you have, it's not like you're rooting for Bailey. You're not rooting for Sasha. There isn't that reason to really attach yourself to either one, which, I mean, is not, you're not at the point of the story where I guess you have to have that. Something should be, you know, if they lose the tag titles on Sunday, you should have like a very clear, definitive kind of uh, fracturing among the two. Somebody uh, you want to cheer for, somebody you, you exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now I actually, I, I think feel, it should be I actually feel bad for Bailey because like in my mind, Bailey hasn't done all that much wrong. And yet Sasha no, she just keeps losing her. every week. I mean, that's uh, Bailey's just uh, she's been losing as much as Sasha. So they've both been screwing up. Hmm. Yeah, But I think what you get is they lose the tag titles and you should make it like pick who you're going with as the like the heel in all this. And it should probably be Bailey. And she clearly screws up. And then she's the only one with a title and Sasha's left with nothing. 
We shall see. Drew is taken off in the ambulance, so WWE got a lot of use out of this ambulance since Friday. They didn't probably own one by this point. They should lease one. Um, Charlie says that Drew is off to undergo more tests, and she is going to speak to Drew's close friend, Keith Lee. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, making use of that Evolve library. That's true, yes. They... Keith says he didn't want his friend to interfere in his match tonight, but that's not the important thing. Drew's going to be okay because he's a tough man. But Randy Orton, I cannot say the same. And this would lead to the announcement of Randy Orton, Keith Lee on Sunday. Good first match. Uh, I guess a <laughs> good rematch of the first match to book. Uh, this time you would assume uh, something very substantial, but how would you, how would you book it, John? If you're going back to Orton, I, well, it's the way they made it so heavy with Drew McIntyre. It makes no logical sense for him to get involved on Sunday. No, not in six. You said potential skull fracture, bleeding on the brain, and potentially career ending. So it makes no sense for him to be getting involved in that match. Um, I mean, it's got to be Lee who loses. You know, it's a, it's 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 a non-title match, but it's a it's against the champ. Well, I guess he can win, yeah, if it's a non-title match. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a match where I, I wouldn't want to just steamroll Keith Lee in no, his first match. You need to make it very competitive. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't think they got off to the right foot tonight, but Sunday will be more important than tonight. Yeah. So we'll see. Lashley versus Cedric Alexander was on Raw Underground. He just rolled to an arm bar. Uh, and before Alexander's uh, hands were even uh, broken up, he just elbowed him for the stoppage as MVP yanked him off. Um, Ivar and Eric then attacked. It's a brawl with the Hurt Business. And Ivar got kimura by Lashley. So, I mean, they made Lashley just look like a monster here. So there was no harm in that. I imagine, like, you know, all the stuff with... Dolph and Ivar might have been one of those things that was changed at the last minute because um, there was no follow-up on that, really, be- besides the mention um, that they- that was supposed to be the match. But it-, it does call to attention, like, what exactly the point of these Raw Undergrounds are besides, I guess, a hook for the third hour. Like, they're not using it to give sustained pushes to anybody. You know, um, not even the Hurt Business. Like, they appeared on that on the Raw Underground one week, then they completely, like, avoided it for the next two or three. This week, they're back in it. I don't expect them to be back next week. So, like, any sort of, like, logical storyline threat that they're, they're trying to tell, I don't have that much of a, se- a sense of. Instead, it's it just feels more like, you know, flashy pictures of guys brutalizing other people. You know, are these essentially, like, highlight reels of, like, dudes doing shoot style and looking like badasses is that all it is and because if it is that's fine i guess you know should i just not expect any stories from there's from no life? structure to it there's no like what does a win get you there's no like the rules are very ambiguous of what a win constitutes what a loss is other than sick sick and it's just like there was a novelty to it week one maybe a little week two now it's just like it's these segments, and I guess they serve a function if you feel that Bobby Lashley got something out of this. So it's not completely um, frivolous, but I think to have this be something permanent, I think you need some kind of purpose behind it. Like it, this leads to something. Like why are these guys theoretically entering this this dangerous fight pit 
and what they get out of it. Like what, what is in it for them? What, what does the viewer care if Ivar is successful or not? Like where, where is the, the reward for, you know, being successful in this environment? Yes. And, you know, just like, where are sort of like the, the, like the guys that you, you've debuted, um, like where's the follow up for the guys that you've debuted and have made look really impressive? Like what, what happened to yeah? Where's Yabadaba? <laughs> Yabadaba, uh, Arturo Ruas, you know, like these guys randomly appear, they look great, and then they're gonna go away. And as a viewer, I just lose all attachment to them. Um, so again, what's the uh, name? Daba Daba. I don't know. Okay, well he was like the big monster they introduced, and that feels like it. I was just dropped cold. Yeah. It's been weeks since he's been on. Yeah. So um, at this point, like we're talking three, four weeks into this, five weeks, is it? Like into this Raw Underground thing. I really would have expected a bit more storyline. And again, I don't know what changes they've been put up against because clearly they tried to do something here with Dolph Ziggler and Ivar. Um, that probably got changed last minute. Um, but as it exists, like these are little more than just like sick vignettes. Rey Mysterio and Dominic against Seth Rollins and Murphy. They attack the heels immediately. And uh, Dominic uh, hits an arm drag onto Murphy. And Ray had been tossed over the announcer's desk. And he's selling. And then all of a sudden we hear Tom, oh my god, Rey Mysterio. And the camera missed whatever the hell he did to Seth on the floor. They double team Seth. Uh, Murphy saves him from a 619 and Dominic hits a high cross to both men on the floor to set up the commercial break. We come back. Heat is on Ray. Uh, he does a bulldog onto Seth after uh, nailing Murphy in the corner and makes the tag to Dominic. He hits a head scissors that sends Murphy into the post. I mean, it's very easy to see Dominic like where he is limited and it's the opponents that you know, fly around for this guy and kind of working around Dominic. But at at the same time, it's the guy's being put out there. And I think for his level of experience, it's, it's very low and he's being given a lot that it's definitely passable. And I think works a lot better in a scenario like this, where you've got Ray as well. Like you can get like, this is very good experience for him to be working off of Ray. Considering like the level of experience and the amount of pressure involved in like, you know, somebody being new and main eventing uh, a show, uh, an edition of Raw, or or being featured in like a heavily built SummerSlam match, I think the kid is doing really well. You know, uh, Murphy chop blocked the knee as Seth distracted, and Ray comes back in, but Murphy does a blind tag. Murphy uh, gets set up, and they hit a double six one nine. Dominic goes to the top for the frog splash, but the lights begin to flicker and all show long. There had not been a hint of it. And I was getting so excited that maybe they've just dropped this thing cold. Not the case. Seth shoves Dominic off and retribution storm the ring. They surround Dominic. Ray comes in to protect Dominic and they get beaten down by the six retribution members while Seth and Murphy watch from the top of the ramp. Ray is uh, slid across the canvas to the floor. Dominic is tossed into the barricade. Then they lawn dart Ray into the post. Maybe it's Kevin Nash. Wow. The mask. Can can you imagine? He knows one way to beat this man up other than to uh, unmask him. Kevin Nash, like fresh out of stem cell surgery, comes back in a a mask and just who's he with? It's got to be the rest of the black and white. 
And the wolf pack. And that's how the show ends with a beatdown of Ray and Dominic um, with Retribution standing on the ring. And I just looked at this closing shot. Six hidden members of Retribution with a th- dozens of screens of people watching. And just imagine, send this graphic, this JPEG, to <laughs> someone a year in the past and say, this is the close of Raw in August 2020. Makes this sense. This is wrestling. Yeah. So much has changed uh, this year. Um, Yeah. And Uh, that's our go home raw for payback. Hey, uh, just about the match. I thought the match was really fun. Of course, until the finish, you know, Um, it like Dominic, you know, for all that's asked of him, I thought he delivered like for all the spots. And it wasn't just like a guy, you know, doing like very wrestling basic one-on-one things. Like he was doing a lot of flips, a lot of Lucha things, and he didn't screw anything up. Everything I thought like worked well timing wise. Um, and like it built us some like really great double team spots. And, you know, I'm watching it and yes, like it's, this is like a ridiculous story of a man like losing an eyeball, but at the end of it all, I felt really happy for Rey Mysterio, you know, who I'm sure like, like kayfabe aside, like this was a career, if not maybe even a life highlight for him to be able to have a match with his son. I'm I'm sure like it was something, you know, very important to both of them to be able to do this. I I, like, honestly, I think if you had built this up, like Mm -hmm. we, there wasn't like any, like this felt like it was just another retribution beatdown. It doesn't feel like it had to be this program that you could have injected retribution. I think it could have been elsewhere. And I think if you had promoted this tag match for a week, I think they would have had a hell of a match on the pay-per-view if they got 15, 16 minutes on Sunday. I think that's a compelling match on a week's notice. So are they doing a rematch? Uh, it's, it's so I lazy. Guess. It's so lazy. I mean... And we're, and we're going off the show without even knowing. Like, I think we're going to get a bunch of stuff just announced online, and that's how we're going to build this up. I... Given the fact we're, we don't have Drew on this show, like I, I just see this pay per view that the the only thing that is really driving this is Roman Reigns, and I would argue in this environment, think of the what they could have got out of Roman Reigns to not just Hot Shot on SmackDown, but this Friday promote Roman Reigns speaks for why he's back and what happened at SummerSlam. That leads to the first match back on SmackDown the next week. And then the next pay-per-view could have been the three-way. You could have got several weeks out of Roman Reigns and just the fumes of his return. Uh, I just don't know why this pay-per-view is happening. And after watching tonight, they were not ready for this pay-per-view. There's nothing big that necessitated coming back so quick. So whether that's a change in whatever they had planned, it just felt like this was way too quick a turnaround. And I I can't say like they've done anything that is – directing me towards Sunday show. Um I mean I I feel like the announcement of the matches themselves was like well you know well done on the show. They at least gave me a card, a pretty substantial one. You know, they set up Keith Lee versus Orton, um told me who the opponents for Bailey and Sasha were. Like they filled out the rest of this card. Like Lashley versus MVP or sorry, Lashley versus uh Apollo. Um I again to me it's going to going to be a show that's mainly sold by by the match list what's on paper and less so about the actual storylines and I think it's a decent looking card at least on the surface right now I with a with a really good hook in Roman Reigns return at the top so I thought 
overall, like it was a pretty good raw. My my usual complaints about the length aside, I think you know, to me, payback is proving to be more of an obstacle than even something that's a positive. Uh, forcing them to rush things like this, unfortunately. Um, but as a result of rushing things, it was to me more of like a faster moving raw than usual. I I wasn't so high on tonight's show. I just thought it felt very disjointed coming off what I thought was a very good pay-per-view the night prior. It just felt like a lot of things, uh, to me, Keith Lee was a big priority on this show to me that, that didn't hit so well. Um, and it just seems like a lot of disjointed stories that just felt like they were all over the place on tonight's show. And, you know, uh, if you look at the story of, you know, potentially a bunch of the show changing 40 minutes before, I think that that certainly you watch the show. I can see that being a byproduct of the chaotic nature of putting this show together. Let's go to the forum tonight. You gave the show a 3.88 out of 10. We start off with Paul in New Jersey. Even the mere mention of the Alistair Black room put me in such a good mood for this show. I can only pray that Black cuts a heel promo in the room next week. Randy Orton tossed out more punts than Pat McAfee in the 2010 Super Bowl. Hope this doesn't water down the move. Don't know about you guys, but anything involving the Street Profits against Andrade and Garza is white noise at this point. I've seen it a hundred times. Overall, pretty decent night after SummerSlam. Five out of ten. Drew McIntyre might have a fractured skull. Do we see him back in seven days or less? No. That, I think, is clearly... Not gonna happen. Yeah, uh, I I don't expect him at payback. I mean, I could expect him next week for Raw. I mean, the main... I think he'll be on Raw. I don't think they go a whole episode without him. But yeah, it kind of makes no sense for him to show up on Sunday. I mean, re- realistically, given the severity of it, he should probably be off next week. But I don't know if they'll go so far. He's Superman. He can recover skull. His skull can recover really fast. Do you, do you think in any way that this could lead to him being stripped of the title? Like, this is a real serious injury angle they did with mm. him. It wasn't just, hey, a concussion or something that they gave the storyline. Like, this was, they said, co- potentially career-threatening. Unless they were willing to actually have Drew, like, take a substantial amount of time off. I'm talking, like, a month plus, two months, which I don't see them doing. Um, I can't really see that. We go to McGuire, who says, hey, those black and gold Hurt Business shirts look pretty good. If I cover up the WWE logo, I might be able to pass it off as a band tee from the early 2000s. Aside from spoiling the main event, it seems like there's less and less of a presence from Retribution on the show, and that's a good thing. All we need is Jerry Lawler to come back and misidentify them as renovations, and we can all wash our hands of this thing. And what's so bad about the punt kick? Shawn Michaels was fine. Dominic is 23 now. You guys were talking on Rewind Away about how young The Rock and Triple H were while ascending to the title picture. If they really believe in Dominic, doesn't it make more sense to skip NXT and let him develop in front of as many eyes as possible? That way, he can peak in his mid-20s instead of his 30s. Well, No, I don't think that that is the best way to bring someone along who has not been doing that. Like he, He's been training you know, for, for some time, uh, but you're talking to me... Um, just throwing it like I, I I'm watching Dominic and listen, I can really appreciate what, what he's done. He's got a ton of potential, but to me, raw should not be your starting off point. I think that you are really just hurting his, his upside of where he could be. And, but you're in this giant storyline. It's not like I see them taking him off TV. And I think it's, it's a very tough position to be in uh long term for him that where will, will he, get the best experience being on raw um, for, for the next year or so. That's also assuming that Dominic can someday like achieve the amount of um, 
talent that the rock displayed at, at that same age. And that's a huge if, um, I think a better, you know, like because they have the resources now, why wouldn't you let the guy perform in NXT so that he can hopefully come to, if he does have that potential, that level himself down there outside of, uh, you know, like the attention of everybody else. In the meantime, pick up a whole lot of other things before putting him on raw and exposing him. Because as we've seen in the past, like often guys will get debuted at a young age and then Vince will lose interest. And then at some point you just, they, they have that mark on them for the rest of their careers. Um, it's, I think a different scenario here than simply chasing somebody, you know, to, to hit their peak in their, in their twenties. Yeah. I mean, Dominic is a different kind of project and someone that, I mean, there's, you know, no reason not to, uh, you know, put, put him in as many scenarios where he can learn. So, um, it'll be interesting where they use him beyond this storyline, because, you know, it seems from all indications, this is someone that, you know, he's not just dipping into this. I mean, he and went, God, he, he uprooted and went to Calgary to train under Lance. Like he is serious about this. And I think if you're serious about this, you want to give yourself the best opportunity so that you can be uh, as well-rounded a performer. And that's just not going to happen by doing a TV match every week uh, on raw too, when the most eyes are on you. And there's a very good chance he would be not just doing TV matches, but like, 24 seven title matches. And I don't know how effective that's going to be in developing a guy. Well, well, that's it. It's not a place where, I mean, Dominic on his own. I mean, he's, he's not going to be in that main event picture working with those guys. And he will get, you know, without Ray, he will get scaled much further down the card. Uh, once the, the novelty is off and he's been on TV for six, seven months. You're right. And that's, that's not a place to be, evolving like where you don't want to be in a ricochet position like the like where is that guy um progressing in his career he's not he's regressing in his career being in that position on raw hmm. uh next up is andrew from cape breton if it's not broke don't fix it it's an expression you can apply to a lot of what wwe does especially when it comes to its nxt call-ups with keith lee they didn't just try to fix what wasn't broken. It felt like they tried to break it in hopes that it could be something else. New music, a top and shorts that looked like a skit, a skirt was a horrible look for Keith Lee. My prediction for Lee is he will be viewed by Vince as a lovable teddy bear and basically be everyone's friend who gets beat up and stays in the mid card. Another issue with tonight was the canned audio. Do they not remember what crowds sounded like? I know there may have been some noise, but when a guy like Drew McIntyre is out talking, people at least had the courtesy to listen and not make that much noise. I like Drew trying to do some interaction, but is there any way they can get the audio from the Zoom call-ins? I know it's going to be hard, but it's got to be better than putting fake crowd noise over a guy talking. Speaking of Drew, are they taking the Samoans have hard heads trope and giving it to the Scots? I now want to see people try to headbutt Nikki Cross only for it to hurt their own heads. Four out of ten show. I, I do wonder like if they're trying to like play with any sort of technology that will allow fans to actually like have their mics on and somehow be heard. But like if you've ever been on a Zoom call or a Skype call and it's not what, good. for many people, like they don't have audio, like they don't have microphones like ours. They don't have blue yetis. They don't have they're not using anything but perhaps the internal microphone on their laptop or, you know, maybe their headphones. 
the 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 audio is shit and you multiply that by a thousand you're not gonna get genuine stadium sounding crowd reactions it's just gonna sound like a fucking mess and it's gonna be people yelling in the background it's gonna be mom yelling dinner's ready um it's somewhere in that mix as well I just don't see how that seriously can look look work. at look at the examples we're getting of just people trying to get signs on. You're going to add their their audio in there too, and someone's got to monitor that monitor that on it. Like, how could you even police that? Well, by the time you mix like so many together, like I guess the theory is that like you won't be able to just hear one person. But I just even that like I just don't even know how it would sound. I would just think it'd be like a big muffled mess. Um, but that doesn't mean like you you can't maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe have certain people mic'd and certain people not. I, I'm not really sure how how they would be able to do it. Mm-hmm. All right, we got a Justin from NYC who says a truly grueling show. Just so many screw jobs and so little commitment to any of the characters. The dork order run-ins are less intimidating than a child wielding cotton candy. Just a remarkable lack of focus and substance. A bad bad show. Okay, our last one here. This is uh this is great. Jeremy writes in, I participated in my first WWE Thunderdome experience tonight. Some things that happened. At the beginning, the crowd producer mentioned that if you were a Nielsen family household doing the Thunderdome to still have your TV turned on with the sound down and your people meter on to count the ratings. (laughs) Man, how interesting that that like that was part of their concern. Like, what are the chances of that? You know, that one of the thousand people that they got in the Thunderdome might also have a Nielsen box. And I I guess that's it's a high enough sample size that they figured there there might be a handful or at least one. Man, I guess so. Okay. They also had superstars talk to those in the Thunderdome throughout the night. It was weird that they could see everyone's cameras, but the superstar wasn't visible. Some of the conversations... Drew McIntyre said that he thought the Thunderdome was awesome and that he wanted to do something in the first segment of Raw to interact and include everyone. He said he didn't know what it would be yet, but to be waiting for it. It was the thumbs up. Kevin Owens said hello. I waved on the camera, and Kevin said he was glad one person waved at him, and then said, yeah, you in the glasses, nice shirt. I assumed he was talking to me, which felt really cool to have direct interaction. Kevin Owens then asked everyone to yell really loudly into their mic. He said that he tried it last night at SummerSlam, and he heard that seven people got evicted from their apartments and that he hoped to make it an even 10 after tonight. (laughs) He then told the audience that he hoped they enjoyed the KO show tonight. Mark Henry said he thought the Thunderdome idea was cool, that he was glad the WWE Universe could be part of the show again, and that he wanted to give them a segment in the arm wrestling challenge to be excited about because that's what I do. Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot came on, and Liv asked if those in the Thunderdome who saw her new shirt last week to raise their hands. Then she asked for those who bought it to raise their hands. Liv said, I'm glad at least one of you did. Ruby said that if anyone felt like they could buy, they could buy her shirt as well. <laughs> Apollo Crews came on and said he hoped everyone enjoyed him beating MVP last night at SummerSlam. He said that he was excited to be going against Bobby Lashley tonight in the arm wrestling challenge, and that he would appreciated everyone's support. <laughs> God, these sound like uh it's like Hey, I hope I hope we keep getting these every week. This is These great. are great. These are great. Dolph Ziggler came on and asked what was up. He said that it was cool to see so many people in the Thunderdome, especially because it proved that everyone and the small picture were so much more insignificant than him. <laughs> he said, "I see the one guy booing me. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Raw Underground isn't the only land I run. You never know when I might be coming after you. So lock your doors and keep watch outside your windows." <laughs> He he said it as a joke, but it felt kind of weird after the Sonya Deville situation. 
Lana and Natalia said that they would be on Raw in a few minutes. They said that they had cute outfits to show everyone, and they appreciated everyone's love and support. To please follow them on their social media and cheer for them out of the ring, which was contradicted by the producer telling the Thunderdome crowd to boo when they were out of the ring. They also showed the action that happened in the ring during the commercial breaks of the last two matches. During the women's lumberjack break, all the lumberjacks started brawling for no reason on the outside while Banks and Asuka traded pinfalls inside. During the main event, Ray and Dominic tagged in and out several times while working over Murphy. They hit a pretty cool double-team maneuver where Dominic springboarded and came off of Ray into Murphy. Anyway, thanks for the long post. Thanks for, to both of you. That was great. Fantastic. Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate yeah, that. If anyone is in these crowds, I uh, would love to hear feedback of what the experience is like and how it changes from show to show and how interactive they get, especially during the commercial breaks. Seems like it's a constantly evolving thing. I mean, a week ago, we didn't have this level of, uh, I guess, uh, um, producing of, of the crowd. Uh, who knows what next week this thing might look like. Listen, I, I will give them credit that they are going to the lengths of just sending people out. to Like, they are not just taking this audience for granted to just have to sit there in between breaks. Like, they are not trying to waste their time. Like, they're trying to entertain them for the entire three hours that they're online, even though it's probably a pain for these performers to have to go out and do improv with them. It's it's to their benefit too, though, you know, just to maintain energy levels. That was one of the big problems on Friday. Um, although they did do it on Friday too, I believe John Cena said. But um, yeah, it's something that I think is a nice little bonus, but also keeps people engaged. Nielsen families, keep your TV turned on with the sound down. <laughs> That's the best. Well, thank you, everybody, for your feedback, and thank you for tuning in to Rewind to Raw. That is going to wrap things up, but the train keeps going here at Post Wrestling. Tuesday night, it is the Ask Away Mailbag Show, so you still have some time to submit your questions up at forum.postwrestling.com in the mailbag thread, and we'll go through all of them Tuesday evening for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe to see uh, what topics we'll get into because they, they go far and wide. Uh, we can never predict what the topics will be. They're all over the place. It's a big mailbag uh, this week. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Well, Way, thank you as always. Thank you, John. Uh, really appreciate all the work that you do on the site. Um, a lot, a busy weekend we've had. It was very busy, yes. So, uh, SummerSlam is over. But as Mark Henry said, we are now just six short days away from payback. So, we just go back to the start position and off we go. So, thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll speak with you Tuesday night with Ask Away. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.